Great Britain, a place full of history. But now there's a first. Queen Elizabeth is the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee. She has now served her people for 70 long years, and the party is just getting started. The people of Britain are celebrating with a four-day bank holiday from Thursday through Sunday, and the festivities start today with a parade in honor of the Queen's 96th birthday. Over a 1,000 soldiers and 240 horses will parade past Buckingham Palace on their way to the parade ground, and in a slightly more modern twist, there will also be a Royal Air Force flyover. It's a party fit for a queen. The birthdays of royalty have always been red-letter days, but the King of Kings was born in a stable. No fanfare, no media attention. Yet he saved his people, not from enemies or inflation, but from their sins. King Jesus reigns. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, and we're in a series this week called God Save the Queen. And all this week, we've been looking at the unique and public faith of Queen Elizabeth of Great Britain and how she's now the longest reigning monarch in their history. The British National Anthem. It's called God Save the Queen. For some of us... Where I live, it sounds very familiar. The patriotic song in America called My Country Tis of Thee, and it was set to the very same tune. The melody, written by British composer Thomas Arne in 1745, and it would eventually become that nation's national anthem. Sam Smith wrote new words in 1832 for American students to sing before school each day. And it was the United States of America's first national anthem. And of course, the Star-Spangled Banner eventually became the current anthem. God save the Queen. What an expression of faith. But also hope that God would bring stability to a nation under a gracious leader. And all this week, we've been hearing from different people about how Queen Elizabeth II is an answer to this prayer. She may be the leader of a mighty nation, but she models her own life after Jesus and wants to serve her people as she serves him. And that's why Jesus is so important to her, because she, he, she constantly talks about him as a servant. You know, he's the one who came to serve, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and that shapes it for her. And that's what she summons her people to, to service. It's uh, to selfless service. That's Mark Green from the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. He studied the Queen's life and her faith, and he'll join us in a moment to share how the Queen sees her role as a calling from the Lord. And after we meet up with Mark Green, we're going to examine how Scripture often compares leaders to shepherds. And there's no better example of a shepherd king than our Savior, Jesus Christ. As I just said, Queen Elizabeth is loved and admired by so many around the world. Many books have been written about her and her family, some truthful, some chocked full of rumors. But this new book called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service, 
was eye-opening to me. She serves and loves her people because Jesus loved and served her first. And in this new book, she authentically shares her faith with the world. It's a great read full of colorful pictures, inspiring quotes, and some remarkable stories about the Queen's faith in Christ. I believe this book will inspire you to more boldly proclaim Jesus as you live out your faith and serve those in your family, in your church, in your workplace, in your world. And remember, this can't be found on Amazon or at your local bookstore. After the program, call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or visit us online at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, check out the extended interview we have with the author of Our Faithful Queen, Catherine Butcher, on our Great Stories podcast. And also, check out the blog post, 10 Surprising Things the Queen Says About Jesus. I think you'll be encouraged by both. And now we're joined by St. Michael's Singers.
This is Haven Today, and that was The Servant Queen by St. Michael's Singers. I'm Charles Morris. I want to go back to London now, and I want to meet up with Mark Green from the Royal Institute for Contemporary Christianity. He's studied the Queen and written about her. Mark, you've also interviewed many people who know her. Do you mind sharing what you've discovered about the Queen's faith, and what is she really like? One of the most most moving things that I discovered really about the Queen as I, as I read her words and looked at the biographies and talked to people was this tremendous sense of her sense of calling under God to this role. It seems that for her the most significant moment in her life was not the moment when the crown was put on her head in the coronation, but the moment when she was, and this wasn't televised, this wasn't shown on television, though the rest of the coronation was, when she was anointed with oil. So she's all the regalia is taken off her and she's just in a simple white dress. And her head, her chest and her hands are anointed with oil by the archbishop. And it's at that moment when she, if you like, gives herself to God mm. in a moment of self-sacrifice, in imitation of Christ, as far as she sees it, that's the most significant moment in her life, where she, in a sense, embraces her call under God to serve her people, but in service of him. And I think that that's the shaper of her. And that's why Jesus is so important to her, because she, he, she constantly talks about him as a servant. You know, he's the one who came to serve, <laughs> not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and that shapes it for her. And that's what she summons her people to, to service. It's uh, to selfless service. I think you can often tell what's really important to people by what they praise. Mm. And Queen Elizabeth praises excellence in all kinds of fields. And of course, she honours excellence in all kinds of fields through various kinds of honour systems that we have. But what she praises most is selflessness. And what she summons her people to often and frequently in her speeches, is to a very deep selflessness. This goes far beyond a kind of neighbourliness or kindness that might be expressed in, in a spontaneous act of generosity or kindness that you, you would see in something like the Good Samaritan, which is a parable she often quotes. What she sees as service is giving the best gift you have for the sake of others. So it's much deeper than a generosity of of resource, so that's a good thing to do. But actually, it's elemental. If you've got a good gift, what is the best of you that you can give to the community? What is the best of you that you can give to your nation? So it's a, it's a life style, mm. not a gesture. It's a way of living, not a, an impulse. Thank you, Mark Green. In London, here in this haven today, and as I listen to Mark describe Queen Elizabeth, I hear such clear echoes of the king she serves. She very intentionally lives out her role as the queen in obedience to the words of Jesus in Matthew 25 through 28. The disciples, you might recall, had been arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Jesus called them together and said to them, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and that their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Those are red-letter words in some of the Bibles I own, instructions straight from the mouth of our true sovereign, Jesus. And he means for them to shape our lives. Queen Elizabeth clearly tries to live each day in obedience to her king, not only by actions, but also by words. Since 1932, every Christmas day, the king or queen of England has given a speech to their subjects. For Queen Elizabeth... Jesus is always the subject of that speech. In 2012, she said God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. He restored love and the service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. She's not just giving moral advice. She's talking about living in response to what God has done. The focus is always on Jesus and the fact that God has sent his only son into the world as a servant. Jesus fully got that, and he embraced this calling to serve, even to the point of giving his life as a ransom for many. You can see it in how he chose to ride into Jerusalem. He didn't come in on a war horse, but he came in on a donkey. He was consciously fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. In chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus intends for the people to understand that he is fulfilling that prophecy, and they do, up to a point. They're very excited, laying their coats on the ground for the donkey to walk across. That was first-century royal protocol, waving those palm branches and shouting at the top of their lungs, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is the king of Israel. And that's what clinches it for the religious leaders. When they see how carried away the crowds are getting, they're determined to put him to death. And Jesus, for his part, is determined to die. But that doesn't mean his bid for kingship fails. No, it's just the opposite. It means he is indeed the true king, the one described in Zechariah. The prophecy isn't just fulfilled by his ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Its fulfillment is woven throughout the entire account of his arrest and then trial and then execution. Think about what Zechariah says. He comes gently Jesus is so very gentle, even restoring the ear that Peter cuts off when they arrest him. He lives out the words of Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, and yet he didn't open his mouth. Like a lamb that's led to slaughter and like a sheep that's silent before its shearers, so he didn't open his mouth. He is that lamb, and he died without a single protest. But also Zechariah tells us that this one is righteous. Jesus is the only righteous one. Throughout his trial, his innocence is absolutely clear. In fact, as you read Matthew's account, it's everyone else who's on trial and everyone else who is proven guilty. The disciples, not just Judas, all of them, especially Peter, the Jewish leaders with their hypocrisy, 
and the people whose shouts of Hosanna days before turn into shouts of crucify him. The Romans, from Pilate all the way down to the soldiers who spit on him and mocked him, everyone else in the story is guilty. Everyone but Jesus. He shines through as the only righteous one. Zechariah also teaches us that he comes with salvation. That's the goal. The arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, it all happens for one reason. The king has come to endure a great struggle so he can bring salvation to his people. He is the true king of all creation, and he came not to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. Jesus fulfills the prophecy in Zechariah, and he does it completely in everything. And through it all, his royalty is on display in all its beauty. Even Pilate senses it. Outwardly, Jesus is the way Isaiah fifty-two fifteen describes him. He had no majesty that we should be drawn to him. And yet there's something about Jesus that makes Pilate ask him, are you a king? Rome was big on impressive shows of majesty. Caesar was not just to be seen as royal, but as divine. The empire used all kinds of outward displays of pomp and power to get the point across. The same thing is true with the remnants of modern-day royalty. Ermine and gold, jewels and crowns, carriages and fanfares like this Saturday in London. But it's an outward show. Behind it all is just an ordinary human being. Queen Elizabeth II would be the first to agree. But Jesus carries royalty in his very being, all the way to the cross, where he's stripped and humiliated, and where he offers up his life for you and for me. No wonder this servant king has captured the heart of Queen Elizabeth. I pray he will capture the heart of all of our hearts today and tomorrow, again and over again. I pray that in response to his life-giving love, we will give our lives in love to him and live them the way he calls us to live them, loving and serving one another. Let me quote the Queen one more time from one of these Christmas messages. God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. He restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ.
Kelly Willard and make me a servant here in a haven today called God Save the Queen. I'm curious if you've taken some time to watch any of the festivities happening in London this week, marking the incredible reign of Queen Elizabeth. If you're like me and you have, you know that this is an historic moment and a colorful moment with parades and flags and horses and soldiers, pomp and circumstance. Indeed, the Platinum Jubilee, something to remember. But even more as Christians, we can remember Queen Elizabeth's faithful witness to her God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you can have a greater appreciation of her faith and service when you read the brand new book called Our Faithful Queen, 70 Years of Faith and Service. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, like my wife and I were, at how bold this queen has been about our faith in Jesus Christ through the years. And you'll also enjoy this colorfully laid out book with pictures, prayers, and quotes from Elizabeth over the last 70 years. And I'm certain your own faith will be strengthened by this insider look at the faith of the queen. And a little note, our faithful queen cannot be found on Amazon or at a local bookstore in North America. We have a special order directly from the UK. So call us right now for your copy. The number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. Or if you've got another moment, just go look at sample pages for the book. They're on our website. See for yourself how well it's laid out, and you can even read a few sample pages. But make your gift there at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And while you're there, take a listen to the extended interview we have with the author of Our Faithful Queen on our Great Stories podcast. And check out the blog we have called 10 Surprising Things the Queen Says About Jesus. I know you'll be encouraged by both. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again together, we'll be sharing the great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. No one is old enough to remember the September 11th terrorist attacks will ever forget that day. Watching the wall-to-wall news coverage, an entire nation stopped. No one could believe their eyes. And even now, 20 years later, we all remember where we were when we first heard the news. Ancient Israel had days like that as well. Remember the story in 1 Samuel 4? A baby boy, born, named Ichabod, because the glory had departed from Israel, for the ark of God had been captured. God judged his people for their sins, but it was God himself who went into exile. He bore the curse for his people, just like Emmanuel did generations later. God with us. Anchor Devotional is available in print monthly. Visit getanchor.com.